commute into a miniature retreat. And that's the beauty of Virgin Most Powerful Radio today. Since the podcasts are archived, you can listen anytime on our smartphone app. I know how listening to Catholic audio can bring you closer to Christ and His Church. So I encourage you to visit the App Store or go to vmpr.org and download the app today. It just might change your life. I'm Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jesse will be in starting Monday. He's been on a whole week parish mission, and he'll be back in the saddle Monday. My good friend Steve Ray will be joining us, CatholicConvert.com. He's a good man, very faithful to the church, and he's on fire for for promoting the Catholic faith, and we're going to talk about evangelization. Uh, Today, uh, we have a great feast day in the church. It's... um, uh, we have a, a double, but it's uh, St. Agnes, your virgin and martyr. She was actually born in 304 and came to a noble Roman family. She was about 13 years old when she suffered martyrdom. Why? Are you ready for this, folks? For um, not going along with the government? No. Hmm. She was martyred for a beheading. That's what they did. They beheaded her because she was resisting threats of torture. Her name is included in the Roman canon. As a matter of fact, our chapel has a relic of St. Agnes, and I want to say St. Agnes, pray for us. I see my brother, Steve Ray. He's a brother in Christ. Steve, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Something, some people think we're brothers, too, because we look alike. I know. We have the bar- same barber. You get it? Yeah, we have a haircut the same. <laughs> Steve Ray, I, I just want to compliment you. Over the years that I've known you, over 20, uh, you have been on fire for the faith. You've, you've brought people to Jesus Christ through his, in his church, uh, through your uh, work, uh, giving talks, taking people to the Holy Land, other holy places, whether it's Lourdes or Fatima. All these places you've shared the gospel. And many, time, many times God has used you uh, as an instrument to help bring people to Christ. Now, I don't say that any good that we do comes from God. We thank him for it. I mean, you're just uh, Joe Sixpack. Last time I looked, I didn't see a PhD at the end of Steve Ray's name. And today, Steve, we're going to have the gospel read, and I'm going to ask you to read it, because this gospel is talking about the 12 apostles. And guess what? That was a motley crew. These guys were not what we call educated, you know, guys that you'd say, well, I'm going to pick the best people for the job that that doesn't work that way our lord he uses the weak to confound the strong so i'd like to ask if you could read the gospel of mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 19 and then give us your take on that scripture verse well it says jesus went up the mountain yep and summoned those with whom he wanted mm-hmm. and they came to him he pointed 12 now the by the way the 12 is 
corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. He appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, and that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, a son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, (laughs) Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, whom betrayed him. What a motley crew they are. Even there's an IRS agent in that group. (laughs) That's cute. Steve, is it true, has it been your experience that God uses the weak to confound the strong in the sense of just um, how he's used throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old and New Testament? My take on it is he uses people who you least expect. Well, that's not just our opinion. That's what St. Paul says in Corinthians, that there were not many among you who were strong, not many among you who were noble, not many among you who were wealthy. God chose the weak things of the world to yeah. shame the wise. So you and I, our opinion doesn't really matter. But uh, St. Paul in Scripture already made that comment. Well said, well said. Now, these guys here, it's, it's kind of fun. They go up a high mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that the first mountain that you ever hear somebody going up is Mount Sinai. So whenever you read about a mountain, you always got to think back how it relates to Sinai. But there, God chose the 12 tribes. And he chose them from a high mountain to go out and to be his new covenant people. And here, Jesus, who is always being portrayed as the new Moses, is also going up a high mountain. And he is now choosing not 12 tribes, but 12 apostles who will represent those 12 tribes. And it's a corresponding. In fact, when Mary is seen in in Revelation chapter 12, she has a crown of 12 stars, which also represents not just the 12 tribes of Israel, but the 12 apostles as well. Always named first is Peter. In fact, in Matthew, corresponding to this passage, is said, and first Simon Peter. And in the Greek, it is in primary or in the primo position is Simon, who was named Peter, given that new name Rock. And I, I love just I'll just meditate on a couple of these guys if you got time. I do. And I want to um, also promote your book on on uh, the keys of uh, what's the, uh, the what upon on, this rock upon this rock, because that book, there's a section in there that you talk about that very thing. Yep. Upon this rock is uh, a whole history. Mm-hmm biblical on uh, St. Peter and his primacy of Rome. Right. Uh, so, and I, and I also had the movie, Peter Keeper of the Keys, which we filmed all on location, which also goes through his whole life everywhere from, we filmed it on location everywhere in Israel and up to Rome. Uh, but it, it, I like it here. It's uh, Simon, who he's named Peter, which Simon only had one name and he got a new name later on, which means the rock. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. That's significant because they're not just two guys. They're also Peter's business partners. <laughs> they were in business. They were in partnership yep. with Peter and Andrew. And they had hired employees. They had employees that they hired to do work with them. And they had boats. So Peter was not an idiot. He was not a bumbling fool. He was actually a very astute businessman. He was a civic leader, mm-hmm. and his house was located between the synagogue and the harbor ports. It's kind of like living next to the governor. And when you go to Capernaum and you see that, his house is not just off in the offskirts somewhere like a bumbling fisherman who's trying to make a living. He's actually a quite good corporate businessman with partners, and he moved to Capernaum from Bethsaida to avoid taxes. Kind of like is, uh, a lot of people yeah. doing today. 
I'm sorry That's I had right. to say that, it's but yeah. Moving from California, leaving California and going to Texas or Florida. Exactly. But yes, he did that. And I, I gave a whole talk, Terry, a while ago did you? on the business uh, acumen, Peter, the <laughs> businessman. Uh -huh. And great. he was really quite brilliant. So James and John are his partners. And uh, I love it. They call, he reminds us here that he calls them Boanerges because the sons of thunder, that had to be said with a smile. There you see the humor of <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I love it. You know, they want to call down fire and burn up the Samaritans. Lord, can we call down fire and burn up the Samaritans? Lord, can uh, we want to sit on your right and your left hands when you get to heaven? So you guys are the sons of thunder. I can just see them patting them on the back. Yeah. You young guys, you guys are a lot of fun to be with. Come on, let's get going on our hike here. Um, so you got those guys. Andrew, of course, he's, he, all we have is his name in lists. But in John, three things times he's mentioned as doing something. Mm -hmm. And whenever I see anybody named Andrew, I let them know what their position in life is because their namesake is Andrew. And he's always bringing people to Jesus. Amen. The first time he brings Simon to Jesus. The second time he brings the boy with the loaves and fish to Jesus. The third time in John chapter 12, he brings the Greeks to Jesus. Every time he's mentioned as doing something, it's always bringing someone to Jesus. So when I meet somebody named Andrew, I tell them that's what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Matthew's IRS agent. He, <laughs> his his um, tax booth was at the border between right at Capernaum between two provinces. That's why Peter, when he lived in Bethsaida as a fisherman, had to take his fish past Matthew down to Magdala where the fish was processed. <laughs> and every time he did that, he got charged taxes yeah. by Matthew. So he just decided to move to Capernaum so he didn't have to travel between two provinces. Steve, could you explain back 2,000 years ago when you worked as a tax collector, how you got paid? Because I think it's fascinating how they did that. Well, you know, you can watch uh, that from looking at uh, Zebedee, <laughs> who in, in Luke 17, I think it is, Zebedee, the tax collector, had right. had um, stolen from people sometimes five four times more than they're allowed. Rome chose someone among their own people to collect taxes. Yes. So Matthew would have been, now remember, he has another name, Levi. Yeah, Levi. He's Matthew and Levi, which means he comes from the tribe of the priests. He should be serving the people as a priest, yep. but instead he has collaborated with Rome. Yep. And Rome has said to, to Matthew, we'll hire you to collect the taxes. Our military will be behind you. <laughs> You have to collect from each person, let's just say, 100 shekels yeah. a week, all right? Sure. But if you can collect 400 shekels a week, you can keep the excess. That's the point so I'm going to make. What these guys did is they, they extorted yes, they money from their own people, oh, yeah. and they did it under the guise of collecting taxes from Rome. But while they collect one shekel for, for Caesar, they would collect two or three shekels for themselves. Oh my God. And they got rich. They got rich off their own people, which was why the tax collectors, we don't like them in our country either. But they don't they were despised because they were. Imagine somebody in your parish yeah. all of a sudden becoming a work for a tyrannical government and, and taking your money and having you put in prison, that kind of a thing. This is why they hated them. So that's Matthew. And his tax booth was on at Capernaum. Yep. And it says that in Gospels. And Peter had to pay taxes every time he went back or forth. So he decided to move on the other side so he didn't have to pay those taxes. And he now did his fishing from Capernaum instead of Bethsaida. Then we got, uh, I don't, are we running out of time? Well, let me just make this. I do want to continue because, Steve, 
There's nothing better than we call it soul food, getting the gospel and commentating on it. And you're very good at this. So when we come back from the break, I want to continue to talk about the gospel of today. And also I want to uh, bring up Fulton Sheen. We've got a great quote from Fulton Sheen coming on. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess will be back on Monday. Steve Ray, CatholicConvert.com. All the books I asked Steve to talk about, go to his website, purchase them, all of them, all of his videos. This is great evangelization material. Go to CatholicConvert.com. I know he's always got good deals going on. And to be quite frank, I'd like you to buy it right from Steve Ray's website than any other place. Don't go to Amazon. Go to Steve Ray, CatholicConvert.com, and support what he's doing. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I want to welcome a couple new stations up in Massachusetts from the Stations of the Cross that are now picking up our show. Any other Catholic stations who would like to pick up our show, you're welcome to do that. We're happy that new stations are always picking up our show. And I want to just say that this whole week, I hope folks realize what we were doing by giving you the Word of God, by giving you some of the saints, by giving you a focus on the Lordship of Christ, the King. And why do we are doing this? Because fear is rampant right now in our culture and even in the church. And I think we need to do that. When we are finished here with this gospel, I'm going to give you a, a little set the stage about the church's teaching on evangelization and why we're all called to evangelize. But Steve, we were, we were in the middle of, uh, you were giving some good commentary on Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 19. Please take your time because this is what refreshes the soul. It feeds the soul, the Word of God. We need more of that, my friend. Keep going. Okay. I, I'm assuming when he says he went up on the mountain, that's yeah. Mount Tabor. I took you up there one time yep, when we yep, went yep. to the Transfiguration. It's also where he was transfigured. And also at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, where he gives the Great Commission to go out into all the world. So uh, there's a lot of things that happened up here on this mountain. But I'm, I'm also going to use Matthew chapter 10 because it, it gives the same list and at the same time. But I like some of the descriptions of it. One of them is Simon the Zealot. So here we have Simon the son of the Canaanian. Well, that could very, that could be that he was from. Canaan. He was original, had an affiliation with the Canaanites earlier. That's um, not certain, but it's possible, which means it's quite, he's coming from the old pagan culture of the Canaanites and is among the disciples. And one I like the lot, a lot is Simon the Zealot, because that is a revolutionary. He's one of these guys that was militarily, the zealots were the ones that were opposing Rome, and they would also do it, often do it militarily. So look at, the, look at the guys that you have. You have Thomas, who, as many think, is a carpenter as well. He's always seen with a square, a carpenter square. You have fishermen. You have Matthew, the IRS collector. You have Judas Iscariot, who's the only one from the Jerusalem area. All the other guys are from the Galilee area. And he's the out. He's the outlier, the one that comes from the uh, southern area around from uh, 
the Jerusalem era. And he's the last one. In every list, Peter is first and Judas is scared as last. But Simon the Zealot, I find interesting because among all these guys, he's kind of like the um, the radical, the guerrilla warrior, the one who's fighting against Rome, the political guy. Yeah. So l- just imagine these 12 guys coming from these different backgrounds, mm-hmm. sitting around the fire with Jesus. You'd think that, that you get a bunch of people together, you get political arguments today and the argument over taxes and Republican or Democrats and all these things. Yeah. Imagine yep. what it was like Jesus trying to keep under control all of these guys uh, who are from such um, different backgrounds and had such different interests. And I just find it very interesting to think about these guys. I would have loved to have um, walked along the Sea of Galilee with them on a couple of occasions. And one of the things I think about these guys, as you know, they they um, were real guys. I mean, yeah. they were not the doctors of the law. They yeah. smelled a fish. They yeah. didn't smell like books. Yeah. They smelled like the real guys that we're used to being around. And I would have just loved to have been with them yeah. and spent some time with them because I think it could be very fascinating. Well, this is one of the things you do when you read the scriptures. And I like to make the suggestion at night. What I normally do, Steve, almost every night, unless it's unusual, I read the gospel of the next day's mass and then I put myself in that gospel setting. And sometimes I get a little creative, Steve, I might add. You know, yeah, I, well, I, I agree. I, I, because now they're up on a high mountain. It's 1,900 feet up that mountain. Right. That's how high Mount Judge. And I ran up there because people always ask me, how long did it take Jesus and the disciples to get up that mountain? Yeah. The one I'm sure that they're on here in the Gospel of Mark. Sure. And I, I, so I ran up that mountain one day. I started at the bottom. It took me uh, an, a little over an hour, but I was I was moving it. I, wow. 55 minutes, actually, to an hour. And there's no real trail. You just climb up through the rocks and the trees. Wow. I didn't go the road. The road is like a switchback where all the mm-hmm. pilgrims, tourists go up. But mm-hmm. I, I ran up the other side, the long Incredible. side, where they would have gone up. And so, you know, they didn't have toilets along the way. I could just, the, the biblical phrase is to step aside. Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine all along the way, one by one, Jesus, the others say, hey, guys, I'm going to step aside. I'll catch up with you in a minute. Yeah. And this, we know what they're means. real guys. I mean, they're yeah. real tough guys. They had legs like iron because they walked everywhere up and down mountains and so on. And the what he's doing here is he's choosing his 12, which corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel, like we said. Mm-hmm. And they are now going to be the leaders or kind of like the tribal leaders of the new covenant, of sure. the new covenant people of God. And they have successors, just like the old ones did. And these are the accessors of these are the apostles. Jesus gave them what's called the deposit of faith. Mm-hmm. And they were given that deposit of faith. And I gave a talk one time and I had a big yellow box with big red crosses on it. <laughs> and it said on the top, the immutable and unchangeable deposit of faith. Right. And I said that when Jesus gave these 12 guys the deposit of faith, everything they needed for salvation and for the church, everything that, that we needed was given to them in that box, so to speak, which yeah. symbolizes the deposit of faith. They then were to promise that they would pass that box on to the next generation without having added anything to it or taking anything out of it. Wow. They were to hand that deposit of faith on to the next generation. And every generation, they promised that they would hand on the deposit of faith. Yes, we develop it. 
It's, it's like a red cabbage in my movie on Mary that I made. Mary, Mother of God, I have a red cabbage. Right. And I'm peeling levels off, layers off the cabbage. Okay. And I'm saying this cabbage represents the deposit of faith which Jesus gave to his apostles and they passed on to the church. We peel off layers and we see new things underneath. And that's the development of doctrine. That's As right. we meditate upon that cabbage and pull back leaves of it over the centuries, that's right. we see new layers of leaves into there. It's not a new deposit of faith. What we're doing is understanding, unpacking, and developing that's right. the deposit of faith which was given to us by Jesus and the apostles. And here he's appointing those guys, giving them the box. Do not take anything out of it. Do not add anything to it and pass it on to the next generation. And any time that we see men who are in positions of authority or something that are reaching in. And in that talk, I said, I'm getting the sense sometimes that people are putting their hands in that box and trying to change what's in there. <laughs> and it's not their box. That does not belong to them. That right. box belongs to the people of God. Those in charge are only there to preserve it and to protect it and to teach it. Yep. It's not theirs to change. It's not theirs to withhold. It is our box. It's my box. And my wife loves to say that Catholics have a right to the truth and to the fullness of the truth. And if anybody's messing with what's in that box, all of us should be angry. Absolutely. Well said. And this is why uh, we call, we pray for our leaders to confirm us in our faith. They're not made to change the faith, but to confirm us in the perennial teachings. And, and last of all speaking, we Tell can me. see here that one of those who was chosen by Jesus was even a betrayer of Jesus, That's which right. means that there are those who are apostles today, those who are serving him as successors who can also betray him because even one of his first betrayed him. So we have to keep our eye out for those who are doing that well, as well. Just to confirm what you just said, Pope Pius XII back in the 50s said, the church's worst persecutors have been her own unfaithful bishops, priests, and religious. He said, opposition from the outside is terrible. It gives us many martyrs, but the church's worst enemy is her own traitors. Well, I didn't say it, Steve. The Pope said it. I just happened to agree with him. Yep. Steve, I, I want agree. to bring the smartest guy into the room right now. It's not you or me. His name is Fulton J. Sheen. So let's bring in Bishop Sheen, Mr. Engineer. They look like they're a little behind the times here. All right, full sheen ahead. That's the choo-choo train. Steve, this is about salvation. Nothing more important than salvation, okay? Bishop Sheen gives a quote about all those suffering souls. Is your mother still alive, Steve? She is. She's okay. 100 years old and two months. Okay, well, all these people who are elderly or in hospitals, check this out. This is what Fulton Sheen says. All of you, therefore, who for months and years have laid crucified on beds of pain, remember that an hour will come when you will be taken down from your cross and the Savior shall look upon your hands, feet, and side to find the imprint of his wounds, which will be your passport to eternal joy for being made like him in his death. You shall be made like him in his glory. Steve, I, I talk about redemptive suffering. Colossians chapter 1, people who suffer, sometimes they have no idea. It's called wasted pain. And I encourage all of our listeners, myself, you, all of us, remember that we can offer up our sufferings in union with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Remember, Our Lady of Fatima said it. She said, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Now, this is Friday. We have all-day adoration. Uh, 
uh, Eucharistic Adoration, go, I want to encourage our listeners, don't turn on the radio for the news. I'm serious. Go and pray before our Eucharistic King at least for an hour today. That's your recipe right now from your spiritual fitness trainer here. Why do I say that? Because we need to focus our attention and our interest in getting to know Jesus Christ better and better. And so when we see people who are suffering, we can share with them this redemptive suffering of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage people to do that. Steve Ray, uh, I I asked you to come on today because I want to promote. I I really do this. I don't do this for every single person I know. I know hundreds of of, uh, evangelists. But I got to tell you, Steve Ray's resources on CatholicConvert.com are the best. And I want people to pick up their phone or get online to uh, pick up some of the videos, the uh, uh, recordings that he has, books that he has, because it's going to build your faith and you need to be built up. Now, Steve, I'm going to ask you to make some comments about evangelization, because I'm going to say a couple words right now about the churches speaking on evangelization. These are quotes from the Vatican II, from the Holy Fathers. The church is missionary by its nature. And her principal task is evangelization, which aims to proclaim and to witness to Christ and to promote the gospel of peace and love in every environment and culture. This was Pope Benedict XVI's address back on November 13, 2006. Here's here's a quote from Vatican II, Evangelization in the Modern World. To hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus is the inherent right of every person on earth. Okay, here's another one. Pope John Paul II, he says, I sense the moment has come to commit all of the church's energies to a new evangelization, to the mission. No believer in Christ, no institution of the church can avoid this supreme duty to proclaim Christ to all people. We need to get refocused, doesn't, don't we? Here's another one on evangelization from Vatican II. I always say, will the real Vatican II please stand up? Because when I hear people say, oh, Vatican II said this, I say, show me. And when I come back from the break, this is a great document called The Dogmatic Constitution on the Church. If you haven't read it, read it, because I'm tired of having people tell me they quote Vatican II when it has nothing to do with Vatican II. It's their personal opinion. We're going to come back and talk more about evangelization and how to evangelize your family, your friends. Stay with us, family, for this short pause. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Steve Ray sitting in for Jesse. Don't forget, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care when it comes to evangelization. I want to give one more quote on evangelization. This is what Vatican II, Dogmatic Constitution of the Church says, Evangelization is the primary and central mission of the Church. All of her activities move towards this end. The very existence of the Catholic Church has its basis in God's mission to bring the world to conversion to His Son. You know, Steve, those are our our marching orders they're, they're really very biblical, too. And um, I want to ask you, as a Catholic convert, before I talk on evangelization, I have to ask you something. I mean, one thing about Steve Ray, I ask him one question. He's prepared to give a great answer. So here it is, Steve. I quoted Fulton Sheen 
on on suffering. People who are in bed, they can't get out of bed, they might be having cancer or whatever. And the Catholic position about redemptive suffering with Colossians chapter 1, as a Protestant, turn your Protestant cap back on. How did you, I mean, I'm just curious. I've asked Scott Hahn this. I've asked all my Catholic converts. How did you understand Colossians chapter 1 in regards to suffering? It related to Paul had nothing to do with me. There you go. There you go. And how did you come to understand the beautiful teaching on redemptive suffering? I'm curious. The uh, We always would say that the Jesus said it is finished, which means that his work is finished. Yeah. So when Paul says that I, I bear in my body or I, I suffer when I suffer, I'm fulfilling or filling up that which yeah. is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What could be lacking? Then you ask the question, what could be suffering in the lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Right. Christ said it is finished. And, and there's other different definitions or interpretations of what that means. Yeah. But it, it, the understanding is that when Jesus died on the cross and he went back into heaven, he sat down and his father said, thank you. You did a good job. It's, it's done now. <laughs> yes, it is done by, um, by being finished what Jesus did, but now it has to be applied. Yeah. So it's not done in my life. Right. Yes, he died for my sins and my sins are forgiven, but the work of sanctification and the work of becoming holy is just beginning in my life. Amen. So Christ's foundational work was finished, but that work now has to be applied to us yes. so that we could... It's like the founding of our country, George Washington and the founders, they finished it. They sat down and said, okay, guys, we did it. Here's our constitution. It's done. It's finished. But now the real hard work actually begins of implementing that into the country and into people's lives and through the courts and everything else. So when Jesus died on the cross, he finished everything for us. And he sat at the right hand of the father, kind of, it's done, finished. We did it. But now the hard work, the Holy Spirit now has to pick up where they left off and he has to begin to apply that in our life. So when Paul says that I I fill up in my body that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, that the suffering, when Jesus said to to, uh, um, Salt of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, which we're going to celebrate here. Well, we just did, I guess. Um, It's coming up Tuesday, I think it is. Um, he says, why do you persecute me? Mm-hmm. So the sufferings of Christ are still going on in a sense. He's yes. still suffering, being persecuted. But what we, I view it now is that we are participating with him. We are the body of Christ. Yes. That work that work of redemption, of sanctification, of evangelism, all of that is still in the process. The body of Christ is still suffering. The body of Christ is exactly. still evangelizing. The you body of Christ is still doing miracles. So that this is how I kind of understood it. We would have never thought of it that way, really, as Protestants, I don't think. Sure. And the whole idea of redemptive suffering was totally foreign to anything yeah, that bet. we would have known as a Protestant. That is a very Catholic <laughs> theology, and I think a very wholesome one. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Hey, Steve, before we get into evangelization, I want to uh, give an update. I have not had you on for a couple months on the Terry and Jesse show. Can you give us an update on... Places you're taking people, visiting. What what's going on at uh, CatholicConvert.com? This is going to be. I That's think, all right. Uh, starting in March, I think it's going to be our busiest year that we've probably ever had. Wow. We have ten international pilgrimages going, and the the unique thing about those is a lot of those. For example, in April, we've already got a bus 
more seats sold out on the bus than we have seats. So we have to get a bigger bus and it's already sold out. And the thing is, many of those people, it's the fourth date that they have had. They were scheduled to go in 2019. We kept thinking it would be over. So we set another date at the end of 2019, then 2020 and then 2021. So I've got the dates wrong, but the year's wrong. But what my point is, is that we have some of these people, it's their fourth date that yeah. they've been moved to. And now Israel said that they have realized, I read this in their Heretz paper, newspaper from Jerusalem, that the are, they have concluded that it is futile to yep. stop the spread of the vaccine by closing the country. Yep. And so they're just opened it now. So Israel is open. There's going to be some protocols going along, but we have a sold out bus in April. We've got another trip in May. We've got trips in September. Our November trip goes to Jordan first for five days through Jordan and then t- the days through Israel and also a Christmas family Holy Land to the uh, wow. Israel in. We also have two Oberammergau trips going, which were scheduled for 2020. Now they're moved to 2022. And those, we can still take some people, but they're almost full with the people who had registered in 2020. <laughs> and we are going on a St. Paul cruise. 10 biblical sites through the Mediterranean and Turkey and Greece. Wow. That's in, in October. And then we're also going, this is the first one um, in just a few weeks away in March. And we still have a few seats. We're doing this with Teresa Tamio. She's coming with us. Great. We're doing the saints and shrines of Italy. We're going to start in the northern Italy. We've got cooking classes, wine tasting at <laughs> um, vineyards. We're going to be seeing all the sites of Ambrose and Augustine, and we're going to visit San Giovanni Rotundo with Padre Pio and the cave of Mike, of St. Michael the Archangel and the Holy House of Loretto and the miraculous shrine of Lanciano and the face cloth of Christ in Montepello. And then we're going to spend wow. three days in Rome mm-hmm. as the frosting on the cake. So we've got a busy time coming. But I want to also mention that we have another one that you, you would like, Terry. Sure. Because we're losing our American history, it's yeah. being erased from our minds and our schools. We have one coming up called the Saints and Patriots oh, yeah. of Philadelphia. Sure. And we're getting Archbishop Chaput to celebrate Mass with us. But we're going to not only discuss the Saints of Philadelphia, which there are plenty of them, but also the Patriots and what we have as a United States and our Constitution and the freedoms of religion that we've been given and freedoms of life. We're going to reinvigorate ourselves there with the uh, Constitution Hall. Um, also, the, uh, the Shrines of Michigan. We're going to do the Saints and Shrines of Wisconsin with Cardinal Burke. Awesome. And lastly, we're going to do St. Augustine, Florida again, where St. Augustine, Florida, where all of it began. The first town, European town, which they established in the first parish mass 55 years before the pilgrims came. So, wow. We again got to jump on the Protestants. Awesome. But and it's all these are all coming up at catholicconvert.com and I'm I'm already scheduled for 20 domestic talks oh all over the gosh. country to giving talks to 20 of them, so that's great. I have a few weeks free right now. I'm, I'm filling them up with radio shows and podcasts and things like I'm Good. doing with you. But after that, I'm putting my wife yeah, and you're putting busy. on our running shoes and yeah. we're going to be on, on the road. Steve, I want to talk to you about something we talked off the air about. And we can talk right here on the air about it. And that is uh, the centrality of Jesus Christ and why we need to be promoting uh, our faith even more than ever with um, the culture that we're in whether it's politics that are corruption, even corruption in the church. We know we read about these things, and we, we, uh, we want to know more about, about these things. And I'm, I've been 
uh, all week long sharing my thoughts about saying, forget it. Let's get back to basics. I mean, if you're a baseball player, you want to fund, you want to go back to the basics of hitting, be a good hitter. If you want to be a Christian, go back to the basics, get your, your fundamentals down and focus on that. I know you said something to me that was very similar to my position, but I want our listeners to know, how are you handling our world situation with COVID, with uh, the church's scandals? How do you stay focused on Jesus Christ? Well, it's the only thing you can really Absolutely. focus on and keep your sanity. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, at the Mount of Transfiguration, remember after all that happened and everything else that yeah. said at the end, after this amazing thing, I said, and then they saw Jesus alone. Yes. That's yeah. how it ended. Yeah. And then there was just Jesus alone. And the point of that, of course, is that he just revealed his divinity. He revealed his supernatural divinity and who he was, superseding even the great Elijah and Moses, who represent the law and the prophets. He even supersedes them. And even when they're gone, there's still Jesus alone. And that's the whole center of everything. If you really believe what know is to be true, what we profess and know it to be true is that God created the universe he made us in his image. We sinned and then he bought us back. That's so we're, we're not in a position to say, well, you know, Lord, I think maybe I'll give my life to you. What a bunch of baloney that is. He already owns us twice. He made us and then he bought us back. We're already his. Well, how can we say I'm going to give my life to you? This is the most nonsense statement, except that God is a gentleman and he doesn't force himself on us. He knocks on the door and he says, you know, I'd really like you to follow me. He doesn't say, look at buddy, I made you, you're dust. And I could put you back into dust in two seconds. All I have to do is turn my gaze away and you don't, you evaporate, you don't exist anymore. You exist because I'm here and you sinned and rebelled against me. So I bought you back with my life of my only son. And not only that, but you stab me in the back every day, you know, when you go out and sin. And I keep forgiving you and forgiving you. So don't tell me you're going to give your life to me. I already own it. It's already mine. I'm just a gentleman and I'm not forcing it on you. The way I describe it is we're renting a house for the first time in a long time while we're building our new one. We had to, we sold ours and we're renting, so we're building a new one. But I, I, it brings back to mind the, the guy who's rent has a big house and he wants to rent out a room. And he puts up a sign, room for rent, on the front lawn. And God comes by, and he knocks on the door, and he says, Hang on a second. I want to interrupt this because this is a good teaser for the break. I know the end of this story. You won't want to miss it, folks. Stay with us on the Terry and Jesse Show. And by the way, I've got typologies of Christ's Old Testament teachings from Dr. Hahn. I'm giving it away. You can go online to vmpr.org and download it or call us at 877 Five two six two one five. When we come back, Steve Ray's going to give us the story about renting a room and how it applies to our faith. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Steve Race given a great little story right now about, uh, well, Steve, why don't you start the story all over for those who just tuned in? Because this is a great story. I love this. All right. 
I'm, I'm going to read it because I have it on my website and it's even better when I read yeah, it. Read it. I read try it. To tell it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a guy's renting out a room in his big house yeah. and he's just going to want one room. He needs a hundred dollars extra a month, you know, so he rents it out and God comes by and it says he sees it knocks on the door seeking a home for his son. He's looking for his son to have a place to stay. So he says, I say rent is cheap. God says, I don't want to rent. I want to buy. Well, I'm not sure I want to sell, but please come in and take a look around. I will, says God. I might like to have, I might want to rent a room or two. Maybe you'd rent a room or two, I say. I like it, says God. I'll take the two rooms. You might decide to give me more someday. I can wait, says God. I'd like to give you more, but it's a bit difficult right now. You need, I need some space for me, I say. I need the space for me. I know, says God, but I'll wait. I like what I see. Hmm. I say to myself, maybe I can let out another room. I really don't need that one so much. Good, says God. Thanks. I like what I see. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the whole, I'd give you the whole house, but I'm not sure. Oh, go ahead. Think on it, says God. I would not put you out. Your house would be mine and my son would live in it. You'd have more space then than you do now. But I don't understand all that, I said. I know, says God, but I can't tell you about all that. You have to discover it for yourself. Give me the whole house and see what happens. It's a bit risky, I say. Yeah, says God, but try me. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. I can wait, says God. I like what I see. Now, eventually, the guy gives him the whole house, and the house is more his now than it was before he gave it to God, and it's bigger than all, and he has these wonderful roommates. And, and I like to say that that applies to our life. Absolutely. Because we have, our life is full of rooms. This is my personal room. This is my public room. This is a room I share with my family. God says, I want your whole house. I want all of you. But these are my favorite sins. I'm not going to give these up. You know, I'm not going to give up my anger and my bitterness. And I don't like that person. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to like him. I'm just not going to. And God says, you know, I really want all of you. And you keep holding back from me. So when you're ready to give me all of it, let me know. I like what I see. I'll wait. That's a great story. And how long is it going to be before we give our whole life to exactly. him? So you asked me about about this, that we have, it's our, it's who we are. Yes. We belong to him. We're in no position to say, no, you can't have the house because he could take it if he wanted That's to. Right. But he's a gentleman. He knocks on the door and he asks why he wants us. I have no idea why he wants <laughs> all. I mean, I just, I see myself sometimes and other people. I say, what in the world does he see in us? Why would he want us? But he does. And because of that, our job is to share it with other people. If you would really like a football team, you don't have to tell people how to share it with other people. They go around talking about their favorite basketball, football, right. hockey team. They talk about it all the time. And if you really want to get passionate about that, go to Europe and watch how they play football, which which we call soccer, and their whole lives are consumed with it. Yeah. And yet it's meaningless in the long run. It That's means right. nothing. Right. It fades away like a puff in the wind. And if we're we really ought to be caring about the things that are most important. So you say, how do you learn to tell people about Jesus? Well, pretend he's a football game. If you are, I love your football sports game, you don't have to have anybody tell you how to talk about it and to be excited about it and to share about it. Right. And what's the difference about uh, about being a Christian and telling people about Jesus? My wife says every day you should put your antennas up. Like this antenna. What do I mean? What does she mean by it? Because every day we should ask God, bring people into my life that I can tell them about you. Yeah. And keep your antennas up all day long, looking for those people that God has brought to you. And at a conference, I said that one time, mm -hmm. and I said, pick, I said, start up 
you know, conservative if you want, pick one person a day, say, Lord, bring one person into my life today. And I'm going to watch all day and wait for that person that you bring into my life. I share. And then you get a little better at it. You can go to two or three people a day. And this lady said, Steve, I decided on two people a day. And every single day, I pray that God would bring two people into my life that I can share something with him. And he said, every day for the last month, it's happened. Awesome. And I've never had more fun in my whole life. Everywhere I go, I'm saying, I wonder who it is. I wonder if it's going to be at the grocery store. I wonder yep. if it's going to be over here. And she said she's never had more fun in her whole life by well, waiting for the Lord to bring people. Steve, that's a great story. And I've shared that with people that would go out and serve your neighbor and you will have opportunities to share your faith. Just last weekend, my daughter likes to kayak. So we go out onto the lake on the weekends many times to go kayaking. And this particular day, last Sunday, I was out there with her. There were two young college students from China, from uh, Cal, Cal, um, Caltech here in Pasadena. And uh, they didn't know how to use the oars. So they're out in the middle of the lake fumbling out there. So I said, Rita, hang on. So let me help these girls out. So I showed them how to do the kayaking. And, you know, it's a rhythm. And so they picked up on it. And they were like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, so I, I was sharing a little bit with them. I, you know, we're out in the middle of the lake. And um, they were just really grateful because now they could do their thing. Well, about two hours later, I'm at the shore. And these two girls come over to me to say, hi, hi. You know, how little, you know, college age kids are. And they got this old man, and they they said, "We want to thank you so much for helping us, you know, uh, you know, work with the oars." And so I spent an hour talking to them about the kingship of Christ. Got them to download yeah. the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Maybe they're listening right now. I have no idea, but you know, they said to me that they just you 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 by helping us, we're just you know, you were just so gracious to us. I said, "Well, you know why? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God." So I got an opportunity. See, that's the to, difference, Terry, between you and most people. Catholics tend to do nice things for people, but they don't tell them why they're doing it. Ah. And, you know, I when I was in China, I went to China, Janet and I, Did a while back, and um, just to see China. And I <laughs> we were at a restaurant, and I the two waitresses came up, and I was talking to them about Jesus. Good. And I, I, everywhere I went to China, I did that with Good. people because I knew they'd never, they'd never heard of Moses. Who's Moses? Who's Jesus? As soon as I started talking, their manager came over and said, these girls have to go. They're not allowed to be with you anymore. And he brought somebody else over because he heard me talking to them about Jesus. He wow. wouldn't let that happen in the restaurant. But I, this is what I would say to people. When we say that we need to do evangelism, people right away just shut that right down because they don't know what that means. To them, that means going out like Billy Graham and standing up preaching in, yeah. in big auditoriums and halls. Right. They think it means that you go out on the street and preach. Now, if you want to do that, there's some great people called the St. Paul Street Evangelists. Right. Look them up and they train you how to do it. And it's wonderful. But evangelism is no more than saying, God bless you yeah. when you're done at the grocery store. Exactly. And people always, nine out of 10 times when I do that, that's a way of starting a conversation. God bless you. Yep. They say, well, well, thank you. God bless you, too. They're surprised that I'm willing to say that because in our culture, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Yep. God bless you. Or I don't have it on today because I'm at home, but I always wear my cross outside and I get comments on that. And it gives me an opportunity to, to talk to people. Because they say, oh, that's a beautiful cross. I don't wear jewelry, Jerry. I, I noticed, Steve. I, I, I noticed. I'm not, a, I'm not a jewelry guy. Um, you're not going to see any earrings. No, I, or, I've noticed that. But I wear this cross <laughs> because yeah. it starts 
conversations. Conversations. Yeah, of course. Real quickly, one. Uh, oh, that's a beautiful cross. That's a beautiful around your neck there. He wouldn't even say cross. It's beautiful around. Thank you very much. Almost every single day, somebody says that. And I always say, oh, oh thank you. I wear it proudly as a Catholic. And I smile real sweetly to them. And this guy says, oh, you you believe it? You, you believe that? <laughs> you think? In other words, you're not just wearing it because it's beautiful. You're wearing it because you believe it. Of course, I'm not going to wear anything I don't believe. So I believe it and I wear it for that reason. So, oh, well, okay. Um, I said, I'm, in fact, I believe it enough to die for it. And he just flustered. I it was that. at the airport, by the way, in the yeah. airport. Well, he ended up sitting next to me on the plane. Oh, my gosh. That's one of those divine appointments right. where if you say, Lord, bring people into my life today to talk to, Amen. he'll do it. It's like God is moving people around on a chessboard just to get them to me or to you, Terry, because they know you're going to talk to them. So he may spend two months on the chessboard moving that person around to finally get them to you. And if you don't do it, God says, oh, no, now i got to start all over again. Who can I send them to this time to talk to him? <laughs> well, anyway, this guy sat next to me on the airplane. Yeah. We took off. I put my earbuds in to listen to a podcast or something, and he taps on my shoulder and he says, do you have a minute? I said, yes. He said, you really mean, believe that? And he pointed to my, I said, yes, I do, sir. I really do. He says, well, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in anything. And I would love to believe in what you do. Could you tell me why I should be a Christian? Oh, that's great. And I had him for two hours on the plane. Yeah. Now this is, this is evangelism, but it, it wasn't like I set out to be an evangelist. No. I was just being myself. Exactly. And I wear my cross and I tell people, God bless you. And at Christmas, I say, Merry Christmas. And they say, Happy Holidays. I say, it's Merry Christmas because we have Christ and Christmas. Amen. That's what it's about. And nine out of 10 of them say, oh, so glad you said that. Thank you. But we're cowards. We're afraid to say that to people at the grocery store or at the supermarket or wherever we go. If we say Merry Christmas to them, they will smile and say, oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too. Our boss says we can't say that. But since you said it to me, I can say it back to you. Merry Christmas Amen. to you, too. And so this is this is simple evangelism. That's right. Start simple. I you agree. don't have to preach on the street corner. Nope. Just tell people. And tell them when you do something for them, tell them why you did it. That's My right. wife opened the, gro the door for a lady at a grocery store. The elderly lady had her arms full. She yeah. couldn't get out the door. So my wife opens the door and yeah. she said, oh, thank you so much, young lady. My wife said, oh, you're welcome. We're Catholics and we love to help people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you don't need to be a convert to do that. No. And it gives us great joy. And we were, we were going into a restaurant. Tell us. And uh, we are going into Jimmy John's a while ago, and, and there, our Catholic church was down the road about two blocks away. And this guy, this beggar, came up to us as we were going in, and he said, do you have some money that I can, I can have? And my wife says, no, I don't have any money, but I'll buy you a sandwich. And here in Jimmy John's, if you're hungry, he said, I am hungry. She said, but there's going to be a deal. She said, here's what you have to do for me. She said, see that church down there? She said, I want you to promise me I'm going to get you not only a sandwich, but a Coke and a bag of fries. But you have to promise me you'll go to mass there next Sunday. He said, OK, ma'am, I'll do that. And, and we bought him a sandwich. Now, that's evangelism. We didn't have to do that. Exactly. And I found a wallet one time on the side of the road, somebody's wallet. And I picked it up and I took it home and I knew it was credit cards and yeah. license. Somebody's missing that. So I called the guy and I said, hey, I, I found your license on the side of the, your wallet on the side of the road. And I've got it here for you, but I do expect a reward. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, okay, I'll come pick it up. And, I, and he came, he says, well, what's, I said, before I gave it to him, I held it behind my back. I said, I got your wallet, but I want you to, I wanted a reward first. He, well, what do you want for a reward? I said, I want you to promise me to go to church this Sunday. I love it. 
Dave Ray, CatholicConvert.com. Thanks for joining us. Also, I want to share with everybody my book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. It's on our website, vmpr.org. Steve Ray, thanks so much. I want folks to go to your website, CatholicConvert.com. Check out all the things Steve Ray's doing. May God richly bless you, Steve, and your family. Keep up the good work, brother. Thank you, Terry. Same to you. God bless you. God love you. And folks, what do I say at the end of every show? What state should we be living in? Well, the state of grace. Yes. And how do you do that? By staying close to Jesus and the sacrament. Hey, up next, the Bible with the Barbers. My wife, I see her in Studio A. I'll be in Studio B. She's back. Yes. And the way you can listen, if it's not on your station, just go to vmpr.org. Download the free app for your phone. Uh, go on to vmpr.org's website. You can listen to all of the shows there. And I want to thank you, and I want to wish you a wonderful weekend, and stay close to Jesus and Mary and St. Joseph. God love you and your family.